Welcome to Heart to Start, celebrating 10 years of a community-based exercise program where we welcome everyone to join us, no matter your experience or your pace. The goal of Heart to Start is to use the power of community and movement to help people become their best, healthiest selves together. I'm Dr. James Beckerman. I'm a cardiologist with the Providence Heart Institute in Portland, Oregon, and I've coached the Heart to Start program since we began in 2012. In each episode, I'll be speaking with past participants who inspire all of us in the Heart to Start community and experts from medicine, sports, and performance who can help us better achieve our goals. Later in each episode, I'll be sharing some activity goals for the upcoming week. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and on Instagram at Providence Health System. And before we start, I want our listeners to know that the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. You should always consult your healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or a treatment. Continuing our conversation around volunteerism and healing it forward, we are joined by Katie O'Brien, the executive director for a nonprofit organization focused at serving one of the most underserved populations within the community. She helps to paint us a picture around the importance of volunteers and philanthropy for community organizations and how that might look different for everyone, but that all of it matters. Our Heart to Start participant spotlight this week welcomes Akiko Irwin. She has spent more than 30 years as a faithful volunteer in her community in a variety of roles over the years. We like to think that she's found the winning combination through her participation in the Heart to Start community that benefits her cardiovascular health along with her active volunteerism, where studies have shown benefit not only for your physical health, but for your metaphorical heart, your emotions, your mental health too. We'll peel back the layers to learn more about Akiko and her journey to finding this winning combination. Welcome to Heart to Start. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, we are happy to have you. So people may be wondering who are listening out there, we are a community-based exercise program. That's what we do. That's what our expertise is in. And so you're visiting us here today on the podcast introduces a little bit of a different dimension of what we do because part of the heart to start ethos is the idea that doing good makes people feel better. And that's not only the people that you are helping as a result of doing good, but it's also good for yourself. It's also good for yourself as a volunteer. It's good for yourself as a community member. And so a few years ago, as part of the Heart to Start community, we decided to introduce this idea that we call healing it forward. As a result of this healing process for us as individuals, there comes a little bit of responsibility that as we are doing things to improve our lives and help ourselves, exercise being one of them, uh, maybe 
there's a moment where we can think of how we can impact other people in a positive way. And so I'm thrilled to talk to you because your job is impacting people in a positive way. And I'd love to learn more about your experience, how you came to do what you do, and also the role of volunteers in what you do. Well, thank you for asking. Um, so I work, um, I work for Rosehaven, which is a nonprofit in Portland, Oregon, that serves uh, women and children experiencing poverty and homelessness. So um, we are a daytime shelter and community center and, and resource center uh, for people experiencing trauma. Um, and I had the pleasure of finding Rosehaven personally about 12 years ago when I was kind of going through my own journey, if you will, about what was going to be fulfilling work for me. Um, I had spent years, you know, 20 some years um, in nonprofits doing fundraising. And I had this personal um, need to see things happen in my lifetime that I was working on. And sometimes I was feeling like in this nonprofit world, I was raising a lot of money, but I wasn't getting to see it move into action. And um, so I was drawn to more of this grassroots fundraising model um, and discovered Rosehaven as an opportunity to start with a really small agency and kind of grow it. Um, and so for me personally, that was what, what I was looking for in my work. Um, the other benefit when I when I first started with Rosehaven was that they didn't have any paid employees. They were really engined by volunteers, um, and so it was it was a really interesting model to start with, where everybody was just showing up because they wanted to be there and um, and because they they cared so much. So um, it was complex in a lot of ways because of that, but it was also really beautiful and very sustainable when you are building an agency that is. Um, engined off of the goodwill of people in the community. I love that idea that uh, people are the engine that drive this uh, this agency, this uh, this facility, this support system forward. Can you share a little bit about the type of services that you and your team provide? Sure. Um, we're, we're bigger now. We've got a, a staff of 12, um, but we provide a lot of services. We will, you know, in a typical year, we're serving 3,500 women and kids, which we eventually need to hire some people to help execute that. But we still integrate um, in 2019 more than 800 volunteers into our service model. And our, our service model is such that um, it was built off of a survey that our founder did where she went out and surveyed women who were living outside, asked them what it was that they needed to, to have meaningful change in their lives. And it, um, that survey was done 20 some years ago, but is still really relevant today. And it, and it shared with us um, that women needed a place they could go if they had children. They needed a place that was safe for them as women um, because safety isn't just an issue at nighttime, it's an issue all the time if you're living outside. Um, but they also had people in the community that would say, hey, you should, um, you should look into this resource or that resource, but they didn't have any way to kind of pull that together and have the support they needed to go kind of find all those different things you need. It's um, when people are outside, it is a very um, 
it isn't just about homelessness. It's often about domestic violence and poverty and racism and all, you know, all sorts of complex issues. Um, so there isn't a single place to go for all of those things. And so Rosehaven was established to be that, that center for folks, to have um, a place where people could come and meet their basic needs for food and bathrooms and showers and you know uh, clothing and supplies. And once they were positioned to not worry about that anymore, they then could consider other aspects of their life. Um, but if you're worried where you're going to get your next sandwich, then it's not reasonable to think about your resume. So, you know, but there's so much trust built into that process, too, where they need to know that it's going to be there for them every single day. And sometimes that takes a while. So, so we can have people that will come to us and be with us for six months before they feel like they can really kind of move forward. And so our model is really built on when people feel ready to take those additional steps. We then have an array of programs that we can connect them with in our community, you know, both on-site and off-site, um, you know, through advocacy programs and financial assistance and um, just helping people navigate that. So we, um, and, and as a result, we kind of weave volunteers into every component of that in some way. Um, sort of built on the skills and interests of people that come to us. That's incredible. Um, I'm really curious, over the past uh, past two years, they've been tumultuous two years, <laughs> everywhere, literally everywhere. Yeah. And one of the many uh, uh, components of the past two years has been a bit of a an awakening um, towards certain issues around justice. Mm -hmm. And there are lots of components of that even, mm -hmm. um, one of which is homelessness. And people across the country, uh, we're speaking in Portland, Oregon, uh, recognize an expanding uh, problem around houselessness for for people and i've often wondered that one of the reasons why this is a more challenging issue to confront and to try to solve is because people who have never experienced that type of situation really can't or even don't want to understand or see the people who are impacted by it and I'm curious, from your experience, what do you think some of the misconceptions that people have around homelessness, that if maybe they were to become involved in um, organizations like yours, they might experience a bit of an awakening themselves? Yeah, I... I... I have to say, you know, in, in my 12 years with Rosehaven, I've learned a lot about all of this. Um, in my own kind of journey, uh, learning, you know, as a white privileged woman, right? Um, I, I, I often tell people, I think the biggest misconception is that people think that people who are houseless are lazy. <laughs> it is so hard to live outside. Everything takes effort. Every single thing takes effort. Um, you know, to 
to get your, to, to find a restroom, to find a shower, to, if you have a pet, to find pet food, to, you know, to just to get, to find the bus line, to get to, you know, the office that you need to get your ID renewed in, you know, there's just, I mean, it goes on and on and on. Um, so it, it certainly isn't for the lazy. Um, and I, and I also think that um, there's this misconception that by, by, helping people with food and these sort of items that we're enabling them to continue living outside. Um, and, and I just think it's so far off the reality of what is really happening. It's if we have to enable people to be successful, you know, so we have to provide, everyone deserves those basic services. And, and it's unreasonable to think that anybody could do any more if those, if those things aren't being met. So, you know, I think that what surprised me the most was how many people that I've met at work who are receiving services who could be me. And it just so happened that I had a better safety net than they did, or, you know, or I made a better decision at one point, or, you know, I've made a lot, I've made bad decisions, but I've had somebody to correct me along the way or to help me out or to guide me back or to, you know, and, and not everybody has that. And so um, I'm just amazed at the, the really talented, smart, resilient women that I get to meet every single day who could be me or could be my sister. For people who haven't uh, had as much interaction with the houseless community um, and they're thinking of ways, well, you know, what, what, what should I do? How can I be involved in a positive way? How can I contribute um, in a beneficial manner to this dialogue? Yeah. What, what, what do you tell them? Um, I tell them that everybody has their own way that they're gonna be able to contribute. And I think that that's what we need to remember. I think that there are some people that are really um, positioned either financially or emotionally to come and do the direct service work on site where they can stand with us and help people and help resolve things and work one-on-one -on -one with people. And that's, that's not for everybody. Um, but there are also ways to get involved that are more behind the scenes. You know, we need people to do data entry. We need people to help us write strategic plans. We need people, you know, to, to do that kind of work as well. But there are also people who just don't have as much time, you know? And so sometimes they're like, oh, I feel bad that all I can do is give money. Well, we need money too, right? We need this kind of, you know, and and people that, you know, don't have the money and don't have the time, but, you know, they may have in-kind products that we need or, or the ability to make introductions on, on behalf of, you know, an organization that they really care about. And so it, it really requires all of those legs in order to be a sustainable organization. Um, so I don't, I wouldn't encourage anybody to feel bad about not being able to do all of those things, but to understand, you know, which of those pillars you can support and, and to bring that forward. Um, we are always opening ourselves to what skill sets people have. You know, we'll have somebody come and say, I don't want to, I don't know how I can help, but I want to help. And, and which is just love, you know, there's so much good in the world. It just, I, I feel so inspired. And, um, and I think, uh, you know, what we try to do is say, Hey, what is it that you, what do you like to do? 
you know, oh, I like to knit. You know, well, I bet you some ladies here would like to knit, right? That's a great therapy thing to, to sit and be able to hold conversation with people and keep your hands active and learn how to have conversation that you wouldn't normally have on the street. So I use that as an example of, of how we all have skills and things to offer, but you may not see it that way. Um, I, I was, oftentimes we'll have conversations with people who say that they haven't had a lengthy conversation with anybody in years or anybody that knows their name you know so if you if you see somebody and they're struggling and you feel comfortable with that engagement you know i would take their lead you know somebody's living outside it's not our position to go you know run to their tent and open it up and you know see how we can help but if people are asking for your help you know, see them for who they are, learn their name, share your own name, you know, humanize this whole experience we're having. Because I think what's happening right now is people are really, really frustrated. And I completely understand that. There's tents and garbage and, and all of this all over the place. And I don't like it either. And what I hate more is that there's human beings living inside this environment. Right. And and we I think we sometimes forget that piece because we're driving down the freeway and we're like, oh, the garbage or, you know, but that's that's somebody who didn't have some place to throw something away. Um, so I think from that standpoint, if we can just um, afford each other a little more grace. That goes a long way. One of the things you said that I'll remember after this conversation is that kind of starting from a point of of love and starting from a point of I want to do something. If you're there, you're more than halfway there because mm -hmm. uh, organizations like yours, people like you, you'll find things for those people to do <laughs> and to be productive uh, volunteers. Um, and it's helpful to know that even if I don't think of myself as a, a useful volunteer in quotes in that, you know, maybe I, I, I'm not strong enough to uh, clean this up or, or lift those things, or I'm not uh, personally comfortable to have certain types of conversations or, or in-person interactions. There's always other things where we can be helpful and sometimes helpful in ways that we don't even think we would be. I, I am thinking about uh, an experience that I had about uh, a year and a half ago now, right at the dawn of the pandemic, I was volunteering with an organization in Russia. And um, as a physician, I was doing some medical volunteering and was spending some time in a drug uh, treatment facility for houseless uh, men. And the medical care that we were able to provide in that setting was quite minimal, as you might expect. It's it's a difficult thing to to do in, uh, ad hoc in certain settings. But uh, one of the gentlemen uh, living in this uh, in this home uh, asked if I wanted to play chess, and I'm a terrible chess player. My younger son. <laughs> Uh, perfect match for him. <laughs> yes, my younger son was beating me at chess when he was eight, and I was not eight. And so I I knew that I was going to lose to this guy, let alone that uh, 
we didn't speak the same language. And somehow I managed to stay in the game for maybe 15 <laughs> minutes. And in some ways, it was one of the most therapeutic interactions for me, certainly, in that here I was in a place that was maybe uncomfortable for me as a volunteer, but it was just a couple of guys playing chess. And our backgrounds didn't matter. We were just two people seeing each other and him destroying me in <laughs> chess, ultimately. Um, and, and I think that's a big thing about volunteering is that you you do the thing that you're there to do, but more than anything, you're just seeing other people. Mm -hmm. um, or if you're taking care of animals, you're seeing animals you're, you're, or cleaning a trail, you're seeing nature and you're interacting with these others in your community or world and realizing that they're not others after all. Yeah, and I, I think to to your point about the chess game it's it the most important thing was that you were you were standing with him or them or whoever it was you know and that it isn't about even it's service in that traditional way that people think about it it's about being present with people and and what a gift that is um we had you know the pandemic for us was a really challenging time as uh, being an agency where people come in crisis and ask us to help figure out and navigate how they can, what they can do. And as we were seeing agencies and partners, you know, go away. I mean, they just didn't exist anymore. We didn't have the offerings that we had traditionally had. And it was really, really challenging, but we really had to remind ourselves that being with people and just sitting with them and talking with them and providing that emotional support mattered that 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 was the work um and and that has so much value um but, it, but it's, hard. it's hard sometimes to sit with people when you don't have the solution to all of their problems and we are by nature we want to fix everything right and sometimes we can't but it doesn't mean that it doesn't matter yeah and i think that um that idea of wanting to be a problem solver, um, it's its obviously incredibly important, but you, it does make you wonder if just being there and being present is maybe the first step of that problem solving, even if you don't know what the second step might be. Um, in terms of the volunteers that you work with, you mentioned hundreds of volunteers over the course of a year. Um, what do you think they're getting out of it? What, what do you think they're experiencing that uh, fuels them, that inspires them to come back um, or that they take to their next uh, destination on their own journey? Yeah, I am in awe of volunteerism, it is, especially at the level to which we receive that as an agency. We have, you know, um, as I mentioned, pre-pandemic, you know, over 800 active volunteers, and they're in a variety of roles, as we talked about, that firsthand roles, but also board members and committee members and whatnot, and everybody contributed in, you know, contributes in their own way. Um, I think for us, uh, at that point, it was the equivalent of having eight full-time staff people, and it was a half a million dollars in value. So if we're talking talking about, like, just 
the overall cost advantage, you know, like I'm not having to hire eight more people because I have this, this engine of people who come in with great energy and, um, and, and willingness to do this work. Um, and they tell me, and I see it, it's just, it feeds their soul. Um, and Rosehaven is built on a platform where we, we, we call us this all a community. So Rosehaven is a community. And when we talk about community, we talk about it in the sense that our guests that we serve. So the, the people that come to us, we call guests. We, uh, we serve on a platform of hospitality. And the volunteers that come and serve are considered part of our community. And our staff members are part of community and our donors are part of community. So we talk about it and this really, um, kind of equal level agency and everybody that comes and works with us signs a community agreement that says how we're going to care and treat one another in this shared space. Um, so I think that um, one of the things that our volunteers really say they value is, is that there isn't this stratification to the way that we're operating. Everybody is a human being with equal value. Um, and when you Oh, when you start on that platform and you go into this, then all of a sudden you're just building, you're building relationships. It's not, you're not serving your, your, your feed. It's a two-way street, right? I'm not just handing you a sandwich, right? It's about how I'm handing you that sandwich and how that interaction is happening that matters. And by setting that kind of baseline to begin with, people go into it knowing that that's the expectation, right? That, that they're going to be kind of in a relationship with people in this community. And it's a, it doesn't feel like work in that way. And it doesn't feel like you're just doing them a favor. Um, our volunteers are constantly saying that they get so much more than they give. And I know that sounds kind of cliche, but I really do see it. And I see it in the consistency with which people continue to come back year after year, day after day. Um, and it's not easy work. It's, um, it's difficult work sometimes. It's difficult to see human suffering. Um, but they continue to do it because they recognize that this is what they can contribute. And I think the pandemic presented sort of an even more unique volunteering situation, if you will. I think um, there became this kind of greater divide between the have and have nots during the pandemic. And people felt, a lot of people felt bad about that. You know, people are getting stimulus checks that didn't need stimulus checks and, you know, they're mailing them into us and they just, but it also was hard because they couldn't come in and show up in person the way that they had before. So, you know, as an agency that it was so run by volunteers, we, we went from having 800 volunteers who, who really executed our mission work to having 12 staff people who had to do it all, but how do you keep community at the same time? And how do we keep all those people engaged? And, you know, that came through, you know, Zoom meetings like all of us with that. Um, but we found ways to, to send projects home with people. We have, you know, take home projects, things that people could work on. We chose this as the time to update our strategic plan, to do some of this work that didn't need to be face-to-face -face with people. And so, um, as an agency, it was challenging, but we also are the better for the volunteer support we got. It was it came in a different form, um, but was incredibly beneficial and has set a really wonderful platform for us moving forward.
we're looking out further because of their work. I love that your community ultimately is your engine. And uh, and speaking of cliches, sometimes we say that the heart is an engine too. And so this this type of uh, work that you do resonates uh, very deeply uh, with me as a cardiologist and uh, with all of us in the Heart to Start community. I think it's uh, there are going to be a lot of people who, after listening to this conversation, start Googling in their own communities, organizations like yours, where um, or maybe they can volunteer or other opportunities to heal it forward. So I'm so uh, thankful to you for spending a little bit of time today talking with us, sharing your story, and uh, you're so inspiring. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Appreciate it. Welcome to Heart to Start. Always oh, nice to see you today. It's great to be with you. So uh, for all of our listeners out there who are excited to get to know you, I was hoping that you could just uh, share a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, let's see. I started at, uh, well, at the time it was St. Vincent Hospital, but now that it's uh, Providence St. Vincent. But at the time when I started was back in 1983. So it was quite a long time ago. Um, I was going to nursing school at the time, and um, I, I have uh, volunteered at um, hospitals before, so uh, I was very familiar with hospitals, so I decided that uh, I'll start volunteering at uh, St. Vincent Hospital, and they were very kind, and it was a, a wonderful place to be. So that's pretty much how I started um, while I was going to nursing school. So you started um, volunteering in part of a, a medical community, a health community, quite a long time ago. And I'm curious how you first heard about Heart to Start and when you started participating in the program. Well, I heard about it when I was working uh, at Providence St. Vincent. Um, I was working at the time at the, in the Brain Institute and I did hear uh, uh, about this program and I said, oh, that sounds interesting, but I wasn't that familiar with it at that time. So um, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, why I got curious about it, but um, I, I guess I became more curious as I um, wanted to volunteer in other areas. At first I was volunteering um, in, well, when I first started out volunteering, I was doing coffee. Uh, <laughs> so it was just serving coffee to uh, the, the visitors that came to uh, the hospital. And, and then, um, then I was volunteering at the medical staff office. And then I uh, volunteered at the, um, let's see, because of my nursing background, um, I wanted to learn a little bit more about uh, physical therapy. Um, so I started volunteering to physical therapy, and then subsequently they offered me a job. So I started working there as well. But I just continued to volunteer on the weekends because um, I, I just enjoy volunteering. Unfortunately, my father had passed away, and um, I kind of encouraged my mom to to volunteer too. And she said, oh, okay, I'll do that. So she started volunteering as well. So it was nice to have my mom volunteering, and, and um, so 
um, we pretty much kept going, <laughs> volunteering in, in various departments. Yeah, you know, obviously from your experience, you've uh, spent a lot of your time uh, thinking of ways that you could give back to your community. And that's a, a big part of what we're, we're thinking about in this, uh, in this episode of the podcast about how volunteering can, can mesh with participating in activity and being part of a community. So I was actually curious um, what your experience has been like in the past um, as an active person, um, as an athletic person, and how your, pre your prior experiences um, uh, impacted you when you started with the Heart to Start community? Well, I was always active physically um, since I was a little person, I guess, um, and participated in many of the um, PE, I guess, in schools. And I liked uh, doing physical kinds of things. So it, it, I, mostly, uh, I think that uh, I continue to be active anyway, but um, it was really my husband who uh, was a marathon runner. Um, he lived in um, Phoenix, Arizona for 30 years uh, before I met him. And uh, when he came to Oregon, he uh, was looking for um, something he could do in terms of uh, running and, and marathon kind of work. And so he, he saw the uh, uh, to Coast um, and he, he did, um, participate in that um, and then he noted that Providence was very um, active in supporting the community to participate in activities that would be helpful for, for the body and then when the the hard to start program started I was thinking about hmm, this this might be interesting but um then my, unfortunately, my husband passed away, but in 2019, and since he really liked doing marathon, he did the Portland Marathon several times as well. Um, I decided, you know, maybe I should participate in the Hard to Start. So in 2019, um, I signed up and I said, I'm going to do this. <laughs> Even though I have not done marathons before, um, I thought, you know, I should try. Um, and that's, that's how pretty much you know, I began. But, but my uh, niece in California, uh, she got active in marathons. And as a matter of fact, she even went to uh, Greece. She even did the marathon in Greece. Um, so um, I, I thought, well, if she can do it, I can do that too. So um, that's how I started in 2019. <laughs> I love uh, how you're inspired by different people in your life to uh, to kind of be your best you. And something we think a lot about in Heart to Start is sort of what drives people to be part of a community like this. And sometimes it's it's other people that drive us. And um, and I think that it's very special that uh, the different ways that you were driven. 
And I was curious when you when you joined that community, um, keeping in mind this was uh, 2019, 2020, uh, so we didn't know much about uh, the pandemic that we're currently in at that time. Um, what was that experience like for you? Well, um, again, because I had um, lost my husband in August of uh, 2019, um, it was pretty much the first time I was alone. And I thought, well, you know, I, the, the, the community and the hospital have always been so supportive uh, throughout all my years that I've been here in Oregon that um, even when the pandemic hit, um, which was extremely um, devastating for so many people, um, I decided that it, it, you know, I need to do something regardless of, of this pandemic. And you know, fortunately, uh, we were able to do the, the uh, 2020 uh, 5K just before we there was a whole lockdown. So I'm glad that at least I had the opportunity to um, participate in the full 5K, the marathon. So I, I'm glad about that because I'm still continuing and I did, did, did it again. Um, so, um, and I'm hoping to do it uh, again this year. So um, I'm glad that uh, it continued. That was the most important for me was that to see the continuation. Absolutely. And I know that you'll be able to do it again this year. Um, you mentioned the word community uh, a, a couple of times. And, and I think you're hitting on something really important that uh, a pandemic where people are just by definition more isolated, uh, it, it's a time when opportunities to come together, whether it's virtually or in person, have never been more important. And I was curious for you coming into Heart to Start with your recent experience, um, the things that you were looking for, um, what was it like for you to come out onto that track and be new to something like this, new to this community? Um, how, how did that feel? And, um, and what was your experience like interacting with other people who were there for their own reasons too? Well, um, when I started volunteering at the Heart Institute Base Camp, um, I noted and felt a, 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 a kind of a family-ish feeling um, because Tracy's uh, Tracy's son was so welcoming as I started volunteering at the base camp, and she was very encouraging <laughs> for me to uh, maybe join some some group activities, and so I started Tai Chi. And then there was the uh, women's tea and talk. So I was, how to say, kind of um, pulled into the, the family uh, uh, community of base camp and everyone there. But it also brought in the community, meaning the outside of the base camp and the Heart Institute. And, and um, I started meeting other people from the community. So, uh, so I was scared because I didn't know anything, anybody in the who was going to be in the, the 5K, um, the hard to start. But I showed up and <laughs> the first day and it was oh very welcoming. 
very welcoming. And I, I saw a lot of people I have not seen before, and some I've seen before because I worked at um, Providence. And um, it, we were all huddled together in a sense because it was it was getting kind of cold after a while. But each each week that I went, um, I met more people. Um, three people I met in particular, and and um, so I would see them each time. So we, we would walk together, and and um, but I liked the the synergy, I guess, that I felt when I went that that there were uh, um, similar-minded people with goal-oriented um, uh, feelings of wanting to do this, wanting to be there, regardless of how sometimes it was raining <laughs> and cold. <laughs> uh, but but the fact that we all came together to support each other for a common goal, which was to 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 uh, have the um, the 5K marathon date, um, which was very helpful to me um, because it helped me to um, let's say uh, I like the camaraderie uh, and and just um, um, this the, again the support, but the support from the the base camp uh, people as well. Um, you were there, <laughs> so was Trace, huh? and um, just seeing you there and 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 saying, well, you know, we're here for you, but actually showing up makes a lot of difference because you can do all kinds of activities, but the people, the leaders are, don't show up. And so this was very encouraging to me. And I wanted to do this and I wanted to uh, um, do this marathon that I've never ever done in my life. And so um, I, I really liked that. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was wonderful. That is wonderful. Um, you use that word synergy, which is such a, a great way to sort of describe what can happen when people come together. Uh, when I think of that word, I think of uh, the idea that the sum of, uh, of many parts is, it, it's greater than just adding things together, right? You add them together and then you get something even bigger than the sum of the parts. And that to me is what happens with synergy. And also the idea that you pursuing your goal on your journey helps to accelerate and motivate other people in their goals on their journeys. So I'd love to pivot a little bit and talk about the role of volunteerism, the role of giving back with respect to how you think it's impacted you personally from, from, from a health standpoint, uh, your identity, um, because we're thinking a lot here about how doing good makes people feel better. So what's your experience been like with that? Well, first of all, I would like to say that volunteering really is a um, appreciation uh, for to, to acknowledge others who who may need the help. And um, I, I, I am thankful that I'm privileged to be able to do that because not everyone can volunteer. Um, because it, 
you know, maybe because they're working or, or health-wise or whatever, and they may want to volunteer, but un unable to. So for me, I'm thankful each time I volunteer. And um, I'm also thankful for the, the, the response I get from helping others. The appreciation that I get from others is extremely rewarding for me. People ask me, why do you volunteer? You should get paid for doing this. After all, you're putting in a lot of work. And I said, well, um, getting paid for you know doing something good is 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 fine, you know, but it's not as uh, rewarding, I think, for me. And um, I think I think you pointed out that volunteering and and helping others um, helps you too. And I I think that it has kept me happy and healthy and looking out for other people instead of just focusing on yourself, I think makes a lot of difference in um, overall mental health. And uh, giving is, is uh, I, I believe, is an extremely wonderful thing that another human being can do for another, and that is giving up your time. And because time is precious for everyone, and um, volunteering to me is giving of your of your time, and and that is very nice. I I feel, and for me, I'm very thankful. I really am, and and certainly um, volunteering at Providence has taught me about being appreciative, um, and uh, feeling of accomplishment and feeling of well-being, um, as, as well as uh, it, it empowers me to be a better person and to continue as long as I can. I love that. Um, you, you mentioned that idea of giving time. Um, time's our most precious resource, right? Because we obviously all have limited amounts of it and and the fact that we, unlike a bank account, we don't know how much time we have. And so to be selfless with time is, uh, it's the most selfless act that you, you can choose. Because uh, even though it's wonderful to be selfless with, with money, um, people make decisions about uh, money partially based upon how much money they know they have or or might have in the future, but time's very different. And uh, I think it's just beautiful that you, that you live that as part of your life. You know, there's a lot of uh, research that's been done um, on your uh, health as it pertains to how you spend your time from a volunteering perspective. Um, there are studies that show that people who volunteer regularly um, have lower blood pressure, even lower cholesterol, maybe less likely to have heart attacks or uh, big uh, health events in their life. And then there's the impact on mental health. Uh, you touched upon that too. Um, this is a time, especially during this uh, pandemic where I feel like there's a national conversation about mental health that is a lot more open and uh, inviting than even just a few years ago. 
And, and I'm curious uh, for you, if you could focus a little bit on how uh, volunteering and mental health seem to be uh, linked. I think that, again, with volunteering, we need to um, kind of look uh, within ourselves as well as why do we volunteer and um, what's in it for us kind of a, a question. But for me, I, I, I find that um, giving to others, thinking of others, instead of focusing everything on yourself, um, helps certainly my mental health because the more you can come out of yourself, I guess, and, and to, to, because it gives you uh, more than just uh, good mental health, but it, it also, I, I think, helps you to, again, just uh, be a better person. And, and I, I, I think that's a very positive thing in anyone's life to, to strive to be a better person. I find that with this pandemic, I was surprised at how people did come out of their shell and give and volunteer their time uh, to help out people in need, um, the healthcare workers, uh, anyone in any of the, even restaurants and so forth, were so welcoming to people who didn't have. And um, I, I was very, surprised but also very happy um, of the response that I saw and so thankful that people were willing to do that for other people at th this time when everyone was impacted by this pandemic. So um, in terms of the mental health, as you were saying, I feel the more you give your time, your, your love really, um, your compassion and understanding of other people is immeasurable. And it does help your mental health in, in so many different ways. And, and, and I think it also helps the community to also see you doing something for others that they want to do something as well. So it's, you're a good example for others to follow. Um, I, I think <laughs> that that's what I feel about this, yeah. <laughs> you say it perfectly. Uh, the more you give, the more you get. And that idea that you become a role model is really special. Um, you know, we talk a lot about in the in the wellness space these days about kind of whole person wellness and trying to, you know, you hear the word holistic used a lot. And I think it's more than just a catchphrase or a buzzword. Um, it's realizing that being healthy or well is quite a multi-dimensional experience. And one of the important components of it, maybe a necessary component of it, is having purpose and meaning. Um, because, you know, regardless of if you take good care of yourself and exercise or whatever it is, if, if you don't have a purpose or a meaning that's sort of driving you, um, it's maybe a little bit empty. And I, I'm curious from your perspective and experience as, as a volunteer, as um, 
someone who's worked in the healthcare community, as someone who enjoys being active, what, what's your purpose? What's your purpose in, in participating in Heart to Start? What's your purpose in um, spending your time in all these uh, generous ways that you do? Well, I, I think I start out um, my purpose uh, to, uh, again, to help others. But I think that um, I've always felt that um, I have time, I made time to volunteer. And I think that um, that also gave me purpose um, because I said I can use my time more efficiently um, by by having time to volunteer as well. So yes, working and family and, and taking care of yourself are, are time consuming as well. But when you take the time to volunteer, then it gives you the, that purpose to um, have something that is beyond beyond you in, in a sense. Um, it, it in, I believe that it enriches your life um, as well as I think it puts value, um, it, it empowers you, it gives you a sense of accomplishment. So I believe that we have different purposes in life, a uh, purpose to uh, be a, a good daughter, son, uh, be a good uh, friend, uh, be a good student, then you go on and become a good worker. Um, but beyond that, I think that um, to we are human beings on this earth, and we should help each other. It, it, and and I think helping others is definitely showing physically your love for mankind. And so um, my purpose is really to spread the love, I guess, in a sense, uh, without costing money. It doesn't cost people anything, but just receive the um, the the care and and the, the love that another human being has for another by by the act of volunteering or or helping. So um, I, as I keep saying that volunteering is a privilege and an honor for me to be able to help others, and that is my purpose. <laughs> I think that uh, it's so inspiring and feels like such almost a basic truth that uh, our purpose is to spread the love. I, I, I can't uh, think of any better way to say that. And you also used the word value, which I think is really important because when you spend your time, when you choose to spend your time in this way, it's so affirming of your value because that person or those people or, or those animals that you might be supporting with your volunteerism or your charity, they need you. And so the choices that you make about your own life matter. Um, and so participating in an exercise program, eating healthfully, making, making the best choices you can, 
that make you your healthiest you also position you to be able to fulfill your purpose more effectively because uh, they need you to be your best you so that you can help them become their best them. So in, in closing, I'm curious what's next for you. What are you looking forward to? Um, and what are, what are you hoping that your journey, where are you hoping that your journey takes you next? Well, I guess um, my journey has always been volunteering. I've been volunteering since I was in grade school and um, I like helping teachers and um, I liked helping after school and all kinds of programs that we used to have after school, I, I used to participate in. I also was in choir and, and, and all kinds of performances at school and so forth. And, and again, it, it, when you ask about drive, what, what drives me, um, it was always there. And um, being with people, making people happy, um, making people laugh um, was just wonderful to me. I, I, I really, really enjoy that. So I, I hope that I can continue. I hope to stay healthy. And <laughs> definitely um, the Hard to Start program has been very helpful to me because it got me out of the house, got me to walk, whether it was you know hot, cold, uh, <laughs> wet, um, it got me out and in, and to appreciate nature, um, of course, appreciate other people who are around me. So um, I, I hope that I can continue to take the many of the base camp classes and emerge um, my mind to challenge my mind, challenge myself, and um, be as healthy as I can. And I I know that Providence has work very hard for, for everyone to to do that, to, to be able to do that on their own terms. But they, I think it's it's a very encouraging. So yes, I will go on <laughs> volunteering. I, I know you will. We are so uh, honored uh, to learn more about kind of this intersection between your participation in Heart to Start and your participation in your community. And I think that my takeaway is that uh, we're all not so different. And our goal with Heart to Start is to spread the love too, uh, in, in a slightly different way. And uh, we're so glad that you are a part of this community and uh, we're glad to be part of yours. So thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, you're very welcome. I I'm. I, I'm delighted to have been able to say <laughs> some of the things I feel so deeply about. So thank you very much. We are thrilled, we're thrilled to hear them and we're thrilled to learn from you. So uh, take care. Thank you so much. Thank you. We appreciate all of our Heart to Start participants. Our hope in sharing stories from our community members is that you find connection and inspiration for your own journey.